What I'm recommending to you today has gotten people in trouble before, so tread carefully. You're listening to Copy Chatter, the podcast where we talk about all things writing business. We're having a conversation here about freelance writing and freelance writers, and you are invited. Let's chat about business, marketing, dealing with clients, mindset issues, copy tips, and rolling with the changes. We'll also delve into what's going on with this particular writer as I grow and build my own business. Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. Okay, so if you have paid attention to the title of this episode and or the show notes, you probably have some clue what we're going to venture into today. It is the concept of borrowing clients. And I use that phrase because that is how my very first blogging mentor phrased it herself. She said, here's how you can borrow my clients. And when I when I read this, she published it in a blog post. I think that was the first place I heard it from her. And when I read this post, it was like, this is brilliant. This is amazing. I love this idea. And so it's something that I started doing. I didn't have a ton of success actually borrowing people's clients. But what it did was give me a really good idea of where I could find work, what types of businesses might hire me, even though um, she and I kind of went in different directions. Anyway, the concept of borrowing clients, however, I have also seen draw tons and tons of criticism. I've seen people um, calling it unethical. I've seen it um, really just, hand, just, uh, great concerns were expressed <laughs> over this, but I do not share those concerns. And I say that as someone who considers herself fairly moral, fairly moral, you know, <laughs> I do my best. I'm churchy. Not that that really means that I'm also a good person, but I try to be both. Um, the thing is, that it doesn't involve, I guess the thing is that it depends on how you approach it. So what I'm going to do is explain to you what I'm even talking about and how it works on your end and then give you guidance on how to do this in a way that is not skeevy or offensive or obnoxious or gonna get people wanting to punch you in the face (laughs) because we don't do that here. Um, Okay, so I'm just going to jump right in. Borrowing clients, the way that, so if the, and this is, um, this blog post, I should look it up. It probably still exists on beafreelanceblogger.com. Um, and she uses the phrase, it's something, it's called something like, here's how to borrow my clients or something like that. And she talks about, basically the idea is when you find freelance writers, when you find other writers, either in the wild or you go looking for them, See where some of their bylines are. See where they have been able to find work. And then go to those websites, go to those, you know, business pages or those blogs or whatever, and see if you can find contributor guidelines. You know, see if you can find any guidance or get any clues, any information about whether or not they work with freelancers. Now, the idea is that if someone else is freelancing for them, maybe I can freelance for them too. Now, people um, who really hate this method of finding work, um, they criticize it because 
they think that writers are coming up behind, you know, they think that you as a new writer will come up behind an established writer and steal their job, right? Or they think that it's unfair that you, the established writer, did all the work to vet these potential clients, build that relationship, etc. And then a new whippersnapper can come in and, and ride those coattails and get work. And I understand that. It doesn't feel good. At the same time, if I'm the writer who's um, being sort of followed into these different markets, I don't really care. And I think that's the position that Sophie took as well. We are all going to stand or fall on our abilities. And some of those abilities are marketing abilities. But some of those abilities are also writing abilities. And if I have an editor who works with a staff, you know, a team of freelancers, number one, freelancers are going to come and go on this team, unless I'm the only one, freelancers are going to come and go. And, um, and that's just going to be the way it is. And so I can't get precious about that client. I would not feel very good if someone tried to find their freelancing work by insulting mine, that would make me very sad. And in fact, something like that has happened. I have been replaced by a younger, cheaper writer. Um, there was, uh, it was one of the startups that I wrote for, and I thought we had a pretty good arrangement, but um, all of a sudden they stopped sending me work. And, and that's just how it is sometimes. It's just how it is. But then I noticed a f- couple months later, that they had content on their blog again. And I had been the only writer. I had um, I had initiated this whole thing. They had a couple of janky posts on their blog and I had talked to the person in charge of it. There, I think he was the marketing manager. And I think he was the CMO. Anyway, I talked to him and I was like, hey, I can write your, your blog for you. I can do that for you. Um, I think my rates were a little high for him, but he was willing to do it because I, I was willing to do the images and stuff. So, you know, I tried to make my rates worth it to him, but I was the only one who was publishing and I wrote, I don't remember how much I wrote for them actually. Um, yeah, but then they kind of disappeared and, and then I went back to them later and I was like, what are those guys up to? And I saw that someone else, um, was writing my blog post. So I reached out and I was like, oh, Hey, I see you're publishing again. Do you want me just to contribute some more? And he basically wrote back and said, no, so-and-so offered basically said so-and-so offered to do more for us for less money. Um, and it's going just fine, but thank you. And that was like, oh man. Okay. Well, you know, my opinion is that, um, I don't know. I had a lot of feelings about it. I'd actually forgotten about this until I started talking about it. I had a lot of feelings about it. Um, The fact that I think she was also doing SEO maybe for them, which was not a service I've ever offered. I've never, that's a rabbit hole. I never fell down. Um, So I think that was it. And also she was charging way less. She was charging way less than she should have been, frankly. Um, and I, I don't know how I knew that. I think I think he asked me if I could match her rate. I think that's how I knew. And I was like, <laughs> no. It was like 30% of what I had been charging for more work. Um, no. So that was a no. Um, it was a no, but thank you for offering, I guess. 
but my uh, my whole thing was, you know, if she wants to to write for a fraction of the rate that I'm willing to write for, more power to her. And if they want to work with someone who's super green and inexperienced but cheap, more power to them. That is not my ideal client. And I don't, you know, I don't say that to insult them. They were a fine company. They offer a really cool service. Um. I've recommended their services in the past, actually. And um, it just, we weren't the ideal pairing. That's really the, the, the take that I have on all of this. Now, there are some people who would not view this as favorably. There are some people who'd get really, really bothered that someone came behind me and took my job and she probably was pitching them they were probably negotiating while I was writing for them and all of that and it's kind of like but then you you sigh and you roll your eyes and you move on because um as the shop owner of the fish and chip shop in my favorite random British teen comedy film once said there are plenty of fish in the batter it's like there are plenty of fish in the sea and he's like there are plenty of fish in the batter only he said it with he might have had his uh, i think it was irish i think he had an irish accent plenty of fish in the batter i've noticed that when i say that people have no idea what i'm talking about it's from mad about mambo it's an old carrie russell movie anyway that was a big digression (laughs) (laughs) But that's the whole thing. It's the difference. I guess it's the difference between scarcity mindset and abundance mindset. My assumption is that if they are willing to hire someone who is cheaper and less experienced, more power to them. I want to work with people who want to hire someone who is expensive and more experienced because that's what I am. And there are people out there who are going to hire me. Was it a bummer not to have these um, blog posts? Yeah, but you know, it was like, not a huge portion of my monthly income. So I just need to replace it. Um, And the same goes for you. You just need to replace it. And if you find that you're getting like replaced frequently, that tells you that maybe there is something to work on here. Um, Maybe you need some guidance on either client expectation management or your writing or something. For some reason, you are not their favorite person on earth. And those, there are always things there that can be improved. Or if not, then you are always free to move on. Okay, so borrowing my clients. I post my, um, I, I did this recently, actually. Every now and then I'll paste my Contently portfolio link in my Facebook group, the Inkwell Guild, um, when I'm asked about it. And you can go in there and you can see all the different places I've written. Those places clearly all work with freelancers. So you can start pitching them or you can at least start looking in to see if they have any contributor guidelines, if they have any want to write for us type stuff, if they are still publishing, maybe you can get in touch with them if they're not and, and like resurrect them, you know, who knows, you can just investigate and maybe you will find some ideas for places to pitch. Most, maybe all, yes, all, because I don't blog anymore. All of the blog uh, clients that I have in my portfolio, I don't work for them anymore, but they worked with me at some point. So at some point they worked with freelancers and so maybe they still do. More power to you to go land that work. Um, 
it's it's not a bad idea to look up other freelance writers, either people you know, or people you've heard of, or people whose names you see maybe in my Facebook group or somewhere else. Um, if you're in student communities for other writing courses, you can you can look those people up um, and see where they're working and see, you know, go to those websites and see if there's like one name on the blog or if they have a bunch of different ones. I just don't, I don't think there's a problem with that kind of research. I do think there's a problem with trying to oust the one who is there and to try to take their work. But I don't think that pitching an organization that works with freelancers or would be open to working with more freelancers is a bad thing. They're already open to it. Um, it's, you know, I think it's the difference between saying, mind if I sit here too, versus trying to throw someone, you know, trying to get someone kicked off the team. It's can I play too versus you go away, I want to do this now. And so I think if you are coming at it with the intent to unseat someone else who, you know, may have already paved that client relationship for you, that's not your relationship to usurp, but you're not necessarily, in my mind at least, you're not necessarily usurping it if you are asking if you can have a seat at the table as well. Now, this might be um, a, this might be a nice way to practice your pitching. Um, it might be a nice way to drum up some work really fast if you need to. I still think it's incredibly valuable to do your own research and to find your own clients. Um, you're not going to fill your docket by going through everyone else's portfolios. You're just not. But you may find some, you know, some nice bylines here and there. Oh, I didn't know that this plugin that everyone's heard of works with freelancers. I should pitch them. That's awesome. I think that's awesome. Okay. Um, crud, there was one other thing that I was going to say about this. And I don't remember what it was. Maybe it'll come back to me. Well, in the meantime... While we wait for, wait for my thoughts to come back to me, I want to um, also mention that um, as you are looking around, getting a feel for where other people are writing, look for the one really awesome clue for you is if you see the same website or the same organization or whatever um, appearing on different people's portfolios. Because that means it is probably likely that they work with freelancers, they like freelancers, they um, are happy to hear from you, and that kind of thing. So that, that can be a nice quick one. If you see, like, for example, that everyone has opt-in monster on their portfolio, which I don't have, which is ridiculous. I should have, I should have written for them, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get around to it. Um, uh, you know, but if you see Optin Monster popping up on a few different resumes, you know, or a few different portfolios, maybe that's where you go next. So just keep an eye out for that. Um, that can be that can be a nice tip. And now I'll give you another kind of related tip. If there's a website where you really want to write for them, for example, Optin Monster, I know people who've written for them. If I really wanted to write for them and I have a personal connection with someone who has written for them before, um, which I discovered by peeking at other people's portfolios, 
it is totally and 100% okay to go to that person and say, hey, I I have this pitch for this business and I, I know that you write for them. I was wondering if you would mind looking at it and see what they say. Um, the response you get might be kind of indicative of who they are as a person. Another thing, you know, if you're, if you're wary of sending your pitch to someone else so they can steal your ideas or whatever, which it does happen, but if you, if you hang out with good people, it's not going to happen that much. Um, but another thing you can do is go to them and say, Hey, I'm, I'm pitching this business and I know that you work for them. I was wondering if you had any tips or I was wondering if you might be able to, um, make an introduction, you know, or something like that and just see what they say. Um, I have many occasions introduced writers to my my clients, either because I knew they needed other writers and I could make some recommendations, or because I was transitioning out and I offered, you know, one or two replacements. Um, so generally speaking, not across the board, not 100%, some people will not, but generally speaking, most established writers will at least be willing to hear your ideas and at least be willing to consider making an introduction if you are proven to them, if that makes sense. Um, like I could call up any of my friends right now and be like, hey, do you know the editor at such and such website? And they'll be like, yeah. And I'll be like, I want to write for them. And they'll be like, let me introduce you because they know me. Whereas if I'm somebody they don't know, you know, or somebody comes to me who I don't know. I'm going to need to see some solid proof that you can write and you're not a crazy person before I refer you to my friend, the blog editor. With my students, some of my students, I, I know their work. Some of my students, I just know them by name. If I only know them by name, I ask, and I think I actually might do this now. I don't remember. I thought about doing this. I don't know if I've implemented it yet. Um, but for some of my courses, I ask them to send me examples that they're working on so that I can get to know their abilities and their voice and places they might fit so that I can make more um, tailored recommendations that they are more likely to um, more like so I can make recommendations that are more likely to end well if that makes sense um, but if I have no idea who these people are I'm probably actually not going to recommend them at this point because I have a talent pool I have all my students who I want to take care of Okay, so that's all I got. We will see how many flaming arrows start coming in my direction. <laughs> I would love to know your thoughts on this episode. Um, I'd love to know if you've used this technique with any success or if it's been a huge failure for you. I would love to know if you, um, like me, have been replaced by an upstart whippersnapper um, or if you maybe replace somebody. You don't have to admit that to me if you don't want to, I guess. Let's be kind. Let's be considerate. Let's keep it professional. And with our powers combined, <laughs> we are all going to build successful freelance writing businesses. Okay, so if you want to hang out with me and you want to talk more about this or you want to um, ask me questions about this or you want to tell me I'm wrong about this, that's fine. I invite you to do so. <laughs> as long as you're nice, um, <laughs> in my free Facebook group for freelance writers. It's called the Inkwell Guild, and we hang out on Facebook at 
the Inkwell Guild. You can go to Facebook and search for the Inkwell Guild, or you can go to theinkwellguild.com, and that will take you straight to the group. Answer the questions, and we'll let you in, and I'll see you on the inside. So, my friend, if you have been listening to this podcast and you like what you hear, have you left a review? I'm just wondering. And I only ask because reviews are really, really helpful for podcasters like me. I really care about what you're thinking, what you need, and how I can come alongside you and help you grow your freelance writing business so that it's something that really supports your life and gives you exactly what you're looking for in some kind of work from home, get paid to write type of thing. So if you have not left a review and you are so inclined, I would be deeply grateful (laughs) for your stars, for your commentary, and of course, I want you to tell me what you love so I can keep doing more of it. Thank you.